Hagstong, Earthlets. My name is Conrad, alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 143rd episode of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for February 1986, progs for progs 455 to 458. This time, there's a new chief judge in Mega City 1, the God Awakes in the Tomb of Terror, the Dave Cluck 5 arrives in the Speedo Ghost, the Strontium Dogs fight trolls, and Halo Jones goes back to the army. Oh my god, this whole <laughs> friggin' ding-dang month, it was great and so sad. So I mean, especially just the start, you know? Um, yeah. way, if, to, way to hell trekker our, our intro. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. If you want to read along with us, you'll find the comics we're covering today in Judge Dredd, The Complete Case, Files 9, The Complete Ace Trucking, Volume 2, The Ballad of Halo Jones, Book 3, Slain the King, and Strontium Dog, Search and Destroy Agency, Files 3. And yeah, speaking of just uh, Bummer City, Fox. Yeah, Bummer Drummers, man. Po- population Us. Yeah. It's Through One, The Ballad of Halo Jones. Her life just doesn't get better. I, I like. I, I'm really curious as to what she's going to be remembered for in the future because it it gets really played up. But all of this just <laughs> this this has done more for me than than you know Rogue Trooper in terms of like fucking PTSD, man. Yeah, war is hell stuff for sure. Mm. Uh, script about Alan Moore, art about Ian Gibson, lettering about Richard Starkings. So okay, here we go. Uh, Halo and the rest of so so Halo Jones. She's in the army. She's on uh, on a, on on a planet dealing with insurgencies and stuff. Mm. Her and the rest of her platoon are out on patrol in a hover jeep through a forest petrified by a uh, a, a K bomb many years ago. Yeah, which I guess just turns everything to concrete or stone. Yeah, it seems like it. Yeah, things are going okay until suddenly uh, Halo's friend Mona sh- uh, shouts out, "There's a." So- so, 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 badak, sniper. Yeah, like, like three or four panels of her trying to get this out, and uh, just damn. Yeah, finally they get hit by the sniper, and that's where they are. The platoon hunkers behind their jeep and tries to plan what to do, and it's decided that Halo and Toy should go out and take down a tree to flush the sniper out. It's a little tough because, you know, Toy's way bigger and way faster than Halo, so, like, when they try to run for cover, like, you know, Halo's out in the open while Toy's, (laughs) like, like in safety, so it's tough. Big, big, long legs, man. Helps you cross distances, I guess. Definitely. So, they, uh... But 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 they managed to do it, gaining valuable combat experience. It's combat experience when you survive, and it's just combat when you die. Apparently, <laughs> they toy manages to hit the sniper's tree with his tembler bomb that causes it to uh, like disintegrate, and the sniper gets shot and falls to its death and, and falls to their death. And I when guess, they like, and when Be- they uh, Becky just like shoots shoots this person in the back. And then they yeah. all just kind of crowd around to check out the corpse, and it's fucking horrible. Yeah, it's an eleven-year-old girl, basically, and everyone's like, "Eesh, like this is rough." But at, and then as they're driving back to the base, the the, uh, the 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 sniper gets older and older as they go. You know, it's one of these like, uh, like ah, oh, like one little girl. No, she was like she was like forty years old and a hardened veteran, and had like five other guys with her and stuff like that. You know, yeah, it's just them trying to actualize the the murder 
of a fucking 11 year old child great i mean you know to an extent it's kill or be killed but um it's also like you know it's it, it's tough with with the, you know the kind of war they're fighting is it one that's like very heroic or or, or fun you know what yeah. i mean and it, that was made pretty clear with this yeah especially when we get to the next one uh and and an unseen hand activates a black ball recording from halo's sergeant she's clearly in pain and we get some uh the return of some future speak as we get uh like how they swear and everybody's saying cheeses like multiple of a cheese <laughs> instead of like jesus or something i love it so the platoon's back on patrol on a night reconnaissance though a lot of the platoon is staying behind because of uh cycle problems Whatever. which i guess the difficulty of of lady troopers even in the future i guess but anyhow uh, that includes mona uh, Toy's earpiece is picking up the uh, the start of the trans-solar dentist show when their hover tank hits a mole mine. Several troopers are killed right away. Another gets shot right in the face just as they're trying to get their bearings. It's fucking Bechti, like the chick who shot yeah. the 11-year-old, just in, a, in an incredibly graphic shot, is shot in the face and her face explodes. Yeah, it just sort of dissolves into mist, basically. One soldier tosses a splashlight into the un- undergrowth, growth, flushing out several insurgents, and there's a brief firefight. Oh. Afterwards, it's quiet, and the sergeant goes to check her legs and finds that they aren't there. We see that Halo's listening to the black ball, clearly after the sergeant's died, and she wonders what she's going to do when suddenly she hears Toy's voice. Oh, Toy's still God. alive, but her leg is badly injured, and she's pretty delirious, like only really responding to the sound of the audio soap in her ear. And things are looking bad, buddy. I gotta say, um, they're looking fucking horrible. Like yeah. Halo is is barely holding it together in terms of like how the fuck things are going to happen. And it's just it's interesting because I know you're going to get to this. Just the evolution of how she handles this kind of stuff. Yeah, definitely. So Halo's walking through the forest with the injured toy, and the narration is that of an incident report, sort of uh, of, of evaluating this situation. Uh, Toy can barely walk on her mangled leg, but it's too proud for a stretcher, and Halo doesn't have any bandages. She's just using Absorbex pads to stop the bleeding, which, which you know, uh, suboptimal. Not, we not really learn, gonna get that much blood. No. We learn a bit about what's in Halo's pack, and for me, that really brings into this, like, Tim O'Brien, the things they carried kind of vein, which is a oh, yeah. big famous, like, like Vietnam uh, <laughs> short story and, and then novel. You were mentioning this, like, uh, I think last time as well. Yeah. Like, it's, this, like, this whole thing is fucking harrowing. Absolutely, yeah. After Toy falls, Halo starts making a stretcher, and Toy starts sort of getting in the mood of saying things that need to be said, but, you know, like, in, normally you're, you're too afraid to say. Yeah. You know, like, she sort of admits she always tries to keep a, t- a tough front to avoid, like, dealing with real emotions. Yeah. She says she really likes Halo, if you know what I mean. But Halo is just pretty oblivious to it, I guess. Well, Halo's trying to make a stretcher and get serious and try and do all this stuff and completely misses the fact that I, it was just so heart-wrenching. Like, because it, the whole time that, you know, they're they're going through all of this, there's just this fucked up description box of, like, the events that took place. But none of it mm-hmm. actually, like 
hitting the notes of the emotional journey that these two are on. Oh, yeah. Like, no, it's very toy, anodyne, yeah. Toy, in her way, is, like, trying to confess affection for for Halo. And, by the way, great fucking work, 2000 AD. Like, great. But also, uh, why do you gotta make me cry at the same time I'm applying yeah. your, like... Your forward thinking, you know. Yeah, it is a pretty it, it is a pretty bold move for like an action for a boys action comic in uh, 1986 for sure. <laughs> the, so Halo's built the stretcher and starts dragging Toy, but after a night of walking, they just go in a big circle like back to the uh, place where the jeep hit the mine. And now it's even worse because the place has been desecrated, like all the bodies have been desecrated, desecrated, and there's like um, anti anti human graffiti everywhere and stuff, and it's just real disturbing. Uh, Toy smells the burning and thinks that it's it, that it's it's Toby the Robo Dog because oh. she's just completely delirious and sort of you know unstuck in time basically. Yeah. Um. Halo orients using the sun and tries to head back to base, but now she's starting to like the 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 shock of what's happened is, is starting to to set in on her. We see her her dragging Toy on the stretcher and and talking to her, but as Halo talks to Toy, we see that um that Toy's words are both things we've heard her say before previously in the comic, and they're all in square like you know narration bubbles instead of word bubbles i guess and you're seeing her arms drag on the on the ground as she's being pulled yeah i was really i was really hoping what would happen wouldn't happen and then it did and like went Mm -hmm. back and was just kind of looking through this just for a second and third time like god damn it fuck you so much halo jones for (laughs) feel feelings yeah and and ian gibson's art here is really devastating as well just how he draws halo looking like it's 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 very like the the way the art is looks like ragged almost and and really gives you a sense of 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 what halo's feeling um so a patrol ends up finding halo and toy and a corpsman asks just the devastating question of of how long ago did toy die and this sends halo off the edge she starts attacking everybody on the patrol She's like shaking Toy's body to try to get her wake up to wake up, but she's generally just freaking out. Yeah. The we see Halo getting sedated, and the incident, incident report ends with Halo in tears, unconscious, and it just says to have all of Toy's things given to her, which were all of two items, you know. Yeah, and it's just man, it's just heartbreaking. The uh, uh, Toy's death, you know, we've. We've known Toy since book two, and she's been a real fun sort of, you know, friend and confidant and, like, sidekick to Halo this whole time. And so for her, you know, to to die in war is just real, like, heartbreaking and real tough. I mean, especially after, like, a profession of love, right? Like, this whole fucking thing just, like, rended my heart to where, like, (laughs) I couldn't even start the, like, the next read. I had to, like, go out and just chill for a second it was just not like I'm not supposed to feel this much, and I really enjoy when I do. Uh, and like, God damn it! it and it, just the next one is even worse. Definitely. <laughs> it's like, God damn it! Like an actual comic book personified PTSD pretty fucking well. <laughs> totally. So Halo wakes up back aboard the Clara Pandy. 
toys there. Hey, so's Radice. Let's dance and sing. All right. Oh, my God. Then wake up in the army, remember Toy is dead, and cry your guts out. Uh, and just the next picture of her, just like not looking well, completely traumatic, hair just crazy, like, I don't know, sunken eyes. Yeah, the, the whole thing is horrible. The, the art on this page is really great because when Halo's in her dream sequence, like the art's really like smooth and bright. And, like, everybody's happy and smiling and stuff. And then when she wakes up, everything's, again, re- like, ragged and dirty and and, and, and way more realistic and stuff. It, it's really, um, you know, the the art here and just portraying the, w- the way the art's changed and, and the way Gibson's drawing Halo and the things around her to denote her mood is really great and really, like, does a lot to bring you into what her th- what her thinking is, I think. So traumatized by, by Toy's death, Halo demands to be released from the army, and not even a pep talk from General Cannibal can change your mind. Um, the, the, the woman at the release desk is skeptical about this, and just like, you'll be back. <laughs> and yeah, that seems much. true, I guess. Yeah, because Halo has no home, no job, no nothing, really. She's 28. She doesn't have any skills that aren't just killing people related from the army. <laughs> Which was, God, the most upsetting part of her waiting for the job, like in the job queue. Like she was, she got an apartment, I guess, kind of easy just off of the cash. But even when she's queuing up, like all she's saying is just like, I can murder people. And the woman's just like, why don't you go to the army? It's like, God. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, she she's staying at, at like a flop house or something. She's 28 years old or she, and she can barely get out of bed. She cuts off all her hair and wonders if she can find any cat's blood, a reference to just when she was super down and out in Puck at the, in, 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 in the prologue. To keep busy, she buys a gun from a pawn shop and spends her days just disassembling, cleaning, and reassembling it, which is just, you know, real mechanical and also serial killer kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, especially as it leads up to her just like testing it out effectively. Yeah, we see her like basically just sitting in a window, sighting people as they walk down the street and thinking like, oh, maybe, you know, my my finger could slip and I'll just kill them or something. It's really fucked up. Yeah, she doesn't know what's happening to her. And in the end, she feels like she has no choice and nowhere to go. So Halo goes back to the the recruitment office and re-enlists in the army. It turns out this happens a lot, like 90% of people who leave the army early come back. And like the 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 enlistment officer didn't even file her paperwork. She just takes the page out of the she just takes it out of the out of the drawer and rips it up. Oh and Halo heads back in. Next time oh. on Halo Jones, heavy duty. Yeah, you think? Fucking think. <laughs> totally, oh man. So just to let you know, we're now about like halfway through Halo Jones book three. Oh my god. So. You know the the previous versions have had t- uh, like ten episodes. This one has 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 fifteen or sixteen if you count the prologue. Okay. So, you know that's the that that's the midpoint thing. Like we're still we're still on the way to the turn for Halo Jones. Oh my, you know? What the fuck? <laughs> but you know, so like like I said last time, this this first part of Halo Jones is really the 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 things they carried. I think the second part is going to be. Uh, the Forever War, which sort of has some, you know, it's got some interesting sort of future fighting and other things like that. I think, I think I'm really excited for this next part and for the story, man. It's really, 
I mean, like you said, it's really different from anything else in 2000 AD right now, for sure, of just this story that's incredibly emotional and, like, you know, kills characters, makes you feel their death, deals with, you know, this, this concept of, 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 of a post-traumatic stress dis- um, sy- syndrome or whatever they're calling it, whatever that's called in 1986, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> just the difficulty of being in this really high-stress, deadly environment and coming back to the world or coming out of the military and not really having any skills or things you know how to do, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. It feels like Alan Moore's, like, he's writing something that, he must have known somebody. I don't know if the guy actually served or anything like that, but like it's hitting some marks, man. Like having having military family, like there's some stuff in here that's like holy shit. Uh, it's yeah. I don't know, and and it doesn't. It's not doing it in this like overly grotesque. Uh, I don't know. It's not like hyper violent either. There are moments where it's like they're very purposeful about showing something and it being terrifying, but. I don't know, like, the restraint that they have and the precision that they have is like a fucking knife. Mm-hmm. Like, damn, it's really good. It's really fucking yeah. good. I'm really sad. Um, so, you know, <laughs> you know how I get, like, we can kind of fucking get over that as, like, let's roll some goddamn dice. <laughs> yeah, buddy. All right. <laughs> yeah, speaking of adventuring and possible instant death, Fox. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's... It's thrill to slain and tomb of terror. I'm just I'm gonna I'm gonna sneak preview you by the way because you're gonna understand what I mean, but maybe they won't. Uh, I am so glad that I jumped backwards. <laughs> I, I I I also didn't think that what was going to happen was gonna happen. I thought it was just gonna be a place, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway. Yeah. We'll see how we do. Uh, <laughs> so, script robot Pat Mills, art robot David Pugh, and Gary Leach and Glenn Fabry, uh, letting robot Steve Potter. So, the team. So, slain, man. We're going into the, doom, in the Tomb of Terror to fight the demon god Grimnismal. It's hard, to, hard going. Uh, yeah, man. We're going to enter into the, this, like, fucking Nidhug dragon room. We're going to, like, root around. We're going to have yeah. a good time. Fuck. I love wanton destruction as a barbarian murderer. Always, yes. Murder hobo time. Um, also, of course, there's an adventure game going on at the same time. So the party's moving ever deeper into the tomb of Grimnismal. They've arrived at the lair of Nidhug, dragon guardian of the tomb. There's a also, chimney, but no sign of the dragon. It's for great yeah. hugs, you know. Well, I mean, we'll get to it later. Only if you need a hug. Oh uh, yeah, there's there's a <laughs> chimney, but no sign of the dragon, except for a sweet dragon horde. Oh yeah, the oh, party man. divides it up, but uh, but a uh, Clacta, the Atlantean warrior woman whose face got half super aged at um during the the uh, the time killer story, mm. is super bummed because you know she's ugly and like doesn't want to have jewelry or anything like that. Uh, Slain finds a keg of ale and it's time to chill briefly. Murdak has also found a sweet helmet and Slain makes fun of him for wearing it. We've seen this before where like Slain's (laughs) tribe believes that helmets are a sign of cowardice and cause baldness. So there's a double reasons not to wear them. (laughs) I mean, I, well, so what I loved is that Mirrodin just like gives him a sassing. He's like, do I need to remind you that like the future of the earth depends on us right now? And he's like, yeah, you can. 
Cheers. I'm going to drink. Yeah, trying now. to party, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> There's always time for a you know quick drink while totally dragging in an old one. Oh yeah. So as the party chills, Clacto walks around and finds Nidhug. She goes to fight, but is enchanted by the eyes of the dragon. He offers I mean, to restore really her. Oh yeah, well, well, they're crystal. You know, we we learned previously that you know these all these dragons have like gem skulls. You know, so I think the eyes in there are similar. Um, the, he offers to restore her beauty, and she leads them back to the and, and she leads the dragon back to the team. It's dragon fighting time. <laughs> oh fuck yeah! I love fighting dragons, yeah. Conrad. All, Especially ones always. that have like three men's chests and like three giant strong arms on it's like he's such a weird looking dragon yeah i mean honestly i feel like we've mostly seen weird looking dragons like the uh the mm. the what was that thing called like the meta or whatever in uh in dragon heist was pretty weird looking oh, also yeah. what was that thing called what was the what was their dragon called that they totally heisted the nooker oh, okay nooker yeah, that one was weird. Yeah. He was like a chubby dragon. I liked him. Yeah, well, you know, what he, he he stayed in the cave all day. You know, he didn't have a lot of exercise. That's actually okay, that's Fox, pretty true. He was, <laughs> he was a so bull. It's, yeah, it's time for the Tomb of Terror adventure game. Fuck Last yeah. time we finished, I had 121 warp rating, 170 treasure, and uh, three hours and 50 minutes on the clock. Um, we, so, and, and, and also I chose that we were at like a crossroads and I chose to go into a room within a door, within a jar door and check out this sweet box in the room. Um, and because of that, I avoided either falling into a, a fear pit or a pain pit, which were some of the other ways you, you could have gone. And from the box, I got a sweet Scythron scroll. So I got, now I got nice. scroll one. <laughs> nice. And if you walked in and you looked at the books, you could have gotten a different scroll, but you had, but it, it, had a, it, it, it has a spider inside, so you got to fight the spider. <laughs> and then I believe like you just decided spider. to walk in. Yeah. It's, it's, it's only got like four warp rating, though, you know. Yeah. And I think you just walked in and didn't do anything, so you just advanced to the oh, next part. Is that right? It was, the, it was the most fucking boring thing I could have done. God, like you, go. you got to go on like a cool adventure where you got to scroll. I just walked into your room and I'm like, all right, sweet. Yep, yeah, it's hard times out there, man. So, um, every, yeah, so we now we go to the next area and all that adventuring, including grog drinking, takes another twenty minutes. So I'm at three thirty, and now the Nidhug shows up and we got to fight that. There's basically a grid we're in the middle of, and you got to choose what direction you're gonna leap in. Mm-hmm. The I chose that I was going to. Um, I want to avoid the fire, so I'm going to jump in the chimney because I believe that those are usually uh, flame proof. You know? Yeah. What, what direction did you jump, Fox? <laughs> so I didn't. I didn't like read this well, right? So I jumped backwards, assuming that he was going to do like your standard like uh, two by two, two forward, and then left and right, right? Like dragon's fire mm. stuff. That was my assumption. I was like, yeah, it's like a front attack. So, like, however big one of these stones are, I mean, the chimneys were reasonably far away, right? So I jumped backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, just the reveal of how much of this room gets set on fire was, like... <laughs> it's pretty crazy, right? Yeah. Just, holy shit. I did like how they also said, oh, you could totally stay where you are. I'm like, that's bullshit. You yeah, you don't want to do that. Where... No, you never stay where <laughs> you are when a dragon's going on, you know? Yep. 
So in the comic, Slain avoids the flames of the dragon, goes to attack it, but nothing can break through its crystal skull. The party tries to stab the dragon, but Clactus stops them because she's going to be the dragon's bride. The uh, the Nidhug uh, um, again breathes fire and escapes up the chimney in the smoke that it creates. As it escapes, it eats Clacta, and the party must go on. I mean, Luckily, that's the ultimate hug, really. That's an inside hug. Yeah. Yeah, mouth hug, gross. Um, <laughs> luckily, they did manage to spill a bunch of dragon blood, and Nest can use that to paint Oghams or Celtic like, runes onto the faces really? of the party. Why? Yeah. Why is an evil Nidhuggin dragon that's totally serving like it's in the evil Scythron times? Why is its yeah. blood totally imbued with earth power? Because it's, you know, because it's a magical beast, man. It's just got, it's using, you know, earth power isn't on the good side or the bad side, bro. Like, you know, I mean, freaking Grimnismal's probably powered by earth power. You know, he's just using it for evil. Whatever. <laughs> so I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. Like, ever since Clacta uh, died, uh-huh. uh, you know, her dad has not been saying fucking anything. And this was kind of weird. So Nest is painting on his face, and you could just see him crying. And he doesn't talk yeah. for like the rest of the strip. Like I don't Mm-mm. remember him saying anything after this point. No, I don't think like, so. Damn. He's yeah, he's just in in grief for his daughter. Man, it's rough times. Poor, guy. Poor orc man. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, uh, uh, so Ness draws these markings onto everybody's faces, and she she does a double one on Slane's face, the Death Ogham. Oh, yeah, that's a plus two to damage, dog. <laughs> yeah, buddy. The party continues on, repelling down the side of a giant gas-covered cliff, when a terrifying, <laughs> obscene groan comes from below. Grimnismal is exulting in his resurrection, and Murden yeah. is coming. <laughs> <laughs> All, I'm just like this. This whole setup is weird. So all of the gas is just fart gas. They're like, oh, it's mm-hmm. it's like it's waste gas, which that just means farts. And then yep. he's and then the guy exults and Mirrodin swinging around, looking like and he's having a good time. Just is like, I'm coming. Like yep. there's so many <laughs> it's, better. It's like a weird, weird situation stuff. for me. Yeah, I feel strange. <laughs> totally. So in the game, man, I just jumped straight into the dragon's fire, which is no good. <laughs> it took up, it took up the entire right side, right? Yeah, it's literally and, like like half the board. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's I just like fuck, fuck this dragon. Totally. But does jumping backward did did you avoid the flame, Fox? I did, in fact, avoid the flame. Oh, that's nice. I didn't. I lost sixteen warp and an warp. hour of time. It's a so lot. So I'm at 111 and 230. Oh my god! All right. So, so now we yeah, got to fight going. the Nidhug, and the Nidhug's adding two to his rolls, just like we are now, because we get a plus one from the death runes. Or no, 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 that's not even it. So, yeah. So sorry, it's adding plus two, and we're adding plus one, so it's got the advantage. Mm-hmm. Luckily, we only have to do six damage to him, and his and he'll run. But that didn't help me. This dragon kicked my ass. I lost twenty two warp rating from the fight, and then another eight because Clacta died. So I lost thirty total, down to eighty one warp rating, Holy and all that fuck. stuff took another takes another ten minutes. Yeah, it's BS, <laughs> dude. How about you, Fox? How'd you do against so, Nidhug? So 
I started this whole bad boy out with 150 because I had the most boring adventure possible in my last right. one. So me and the Nidhug going toe to toe. First, it it's like it's getting the upper hand a little bit. It takes I I want to say so I end it at around 133 from 150, but mm-hmm. I did get like a fucking huge amount of damage on him. Just at like basically it was. I chipped him away a little bit. Then he hits me like two or three times and fucks me up. And then I get an 11 plus one while he gets a four plus two and I drop his ass down to eight. You bet his ass nice. ran. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Um, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. Then we got a whole bunch of really cool options. I'm curious to see what you picked. Yeah. So we get, so after the fight, we get marked by dragon's blood. So now we're adding two to our combat rolls Fuck and there's yeah. a chance to take treasure, but that treasure will cost time. So I went to the middle ground and took 150 treasure to lose another 10 minutes. So I'm at 320 treasure and my time is 210. Mm-hmm. And it's time to descend into the tomb. And as we go, there's a bottle on a rocky outcrop, a hole belching gas, a threatening pteranodon, uh, um, and the pteranodon's tr- tr- nest. What do we want to do? I'm going after that nest because there's treasure in it, man. Fuck yeah. Don't listen to Akko. Don't help that guy. No. Yeah, he doesn't know what they're talking about. Yeah. So I definitely went full. So I've been doing good on time, right? So Mm -hmm. uh, I took the full fucking 300 treasure points, took that whole treasure. Oh, yeah. And that only bumps me up to three hours gone so far, right? Nice. That's pretty good. I got the plus two combat modifier, and uh, I definitely said, fuck, Ucko. I don't need to think about that. That's fair. (laughs) <laughs> I just like gotta keep going man if I'm gonna be role playing as slain the fucking awesome barbarian I'm definitely not worried about Echo yeah so um so the party approaches a massive set of doors the star uh, the star creature is nearly reborn but the door is locked and there's no time because we see macrobes like sort of mini plukes coming in. They're feeding off the earth energy that Grimnismal's putting out like maggots eating eating meat. At first they're insubstantial, but then start to solidify. And it's macrobe fighting time. Oh yeah, which is just like cutting through and smashing them and stepping on them. It's real. Yeah, cool. real gross. Yeah. Um, so Uko has managed to figure out how to pick the lock to the door, but it's got to do with these weird numbered squares on the ground. Um, and things are, and th- this whole thing is going to get tough because the gold dig and Elfric and his cool helmet have, are, have arrived on the scene. I forgot that these guys existed until this happened, uh, by the way. Oh uh, yeah. The like, bad guys from time killer, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. I they, just, like, I hadn't thought about it in so long. Well, luckily they show up and basically just spend two pages, like recapping their role in all this, which I think is appreciated. <laughs> I'm not just a gross um, meatball, and he's not just like a weird sadomasochist with a cool spiky helmet. Nah, man, they're the representatives of all evil and stuff. Anyhow, they've they see the 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 handiwork of our heroes, and they're coming to take them down. Um, so if you, there's the bottle on the outcropping, if you chose to drink it, you die, oh <laughs> or sorry, God. you you'd lose life and time, I guess. Meanwhile, blocking the hole with the gases would have earned you 30 minutes back. Mm-hmm. Tossing a treasure at the pterodon to get rid of it. If you tossed at least 50 points worth, then you would have had, you would have been able to avoid the fight. Um, and if you did what I did, go for the nest, you find a key in there, and that's awesome. But you got to fight yeah. the pterodon. Hey, that's Luckily, 
Yeah, I managed to slaughter this thing. I took no damage and gained third, gained back 13 warp rating. So I'm back to 93. And all this adventuring took 20 minutes, so I'm at 150. Nice. Uh, for getting this far, we get an extra 20 warp rating, so I'm back up to 113. Ooh. And now we got to solve a thing using magic squares. I was told yeah. there'd be no math here, Fox. I'm, I don't appreciate it. <laughs> uh, I mean, really, uh, really stupid, obnoxious. I don't know. I, you know. I, I, thank God for modern calculators. I just did a couple of things. I found one line. Uh, I yeah. calculated one line for each and then was just like, oh, it's this one. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you'd normally lose 10 minutes studying the squares, but because yeah. I got scroll one, I skipped that. All oh, right. Uh, <laughs> the, so the clues that we have for here are that the crystal lock will be filled with light and that all the numbers on the square should add up to the number of the beast, i.e. 666. Um, you know, so yeah, so I added, added up the lines, one line added up to 111 and, you know, the way magic squares work is all the lines add up to the same thing. So that means that the sun one adds up to 666 plus the light in the crystal. That's the sun that creates light, whatever. So that sounds right. I've done it both. I've done, I've, I saw it both the official way and the jeopardy way where you sort of look, look at the clues <laughs> given in there and you try, try to logic it out. Um, anyhow. All right. <laughs> So we're getting towards the end of the tomb, I gotta say, Fox. Mm. And because of that, Glenn, Glenn, Fa uh, Glenn Fabry's back on art, and it's getting crazy. We see the tomb of Grimnismal as a bunch of weird, terrifying images show the god coming back to life. He's ready to find new victims. Uh, meanwhile, Nest is solving the magic, the magic square puzzle, and the team moves to open the door. Slain stands on the square of the sun, which triggers a beam of light that strikes a crystal in the door and opens it. All right. Th things are going pretty good. Yeah. Um, the party has finally reached the tomb, but when they open it up, it's empty. Whoa. But good I guess they... Oh, I was going to say that... Uh... Go ahead. <laughs> We we both have jokes. Um, you do yours. All right. I I was just gonna say they didn't just fucking see the giant goopy monster standing around. They looked in the fucking coffin first. I was gonna right say there. that it turns out that that Grimnismal was inside of us all along. You know, it's not oh the nine dimensional god. god beast outside. It's the nine dimensional god beast. You know, in your heart. <laughs> We've got to teach Slain how to be a kind person. That's the only That's way. That's right. To win. That's the the secret to Christmas is nine dimensional god beasts. But um, oh my god, no nah, man, it's empty because Grismismal's <laughs> awake and out there, and you know he's gonna fight us. He's a terrifying mix of like teeth, claws, scales, and tubes. And basically, if I'd never seen a Kev O'Neill Torquemada worm cloud, it'd be the most terrifying thing I'd ever seen in comics, you know. <laughs> it's uh, It's got a lot of goop. It's yeah, a lot of as goop. it is, as it is second best, you know, sad to say. <laughs> it's all right. I mean, Anyhow. he's nine dimensional, you know, he's, not, he's yeah. not here to impress us, I guess, maybe. No, he did, barely notices us. Anyhow, we gotta kill it, but don't look at its face because it'll unhinge your mind. Grimnismal okay. strikes. He just instantly like war sucks all the all the all the earth energy out and eats our buddy Mogruth. Oh no! Mm. Although I guess now you know he was pretty bummed after his daughter died, so it, it only makes sense. <laughs> the god t 
returns to Slain and attacks him next time. The Darkest Hour. Cool. I want to fight this beast, man. It's going to be... I'll, I'll tell you right now, Fox, this fight is going to be crazy. So, really? finishing up the game... Oh, yeah, this is like blow-by-blow, blow, like ebbs and flows of the fight and stuff. So, in the adventure game, if you step on the wrong square, a god warrior of either Jupiter and Mars will appear, and they oh, will God. instantly kill you. Game over. Which is wow. tough. Great job, we, game designers. We're definitely get, Yeah, we're getting to a part in the comic where... If you make a wrong, if you make a really wrong choice, you will be killed instantly. So Jesus. you know, I, I I say that if that going forward we keep playing, but if we die, we just got to mark that off and like you know. So if you die, then you know you're at one death, but we'll keep playing because I want to, you know, whatever. I'm not going to yeah. stop this segment. We're doing good I mean, stuff. We're not going to replay <laughs> the whole fucking thing, you know. No way. Okay, so I survived. So so I survived that. I got through to the tomb with an hour and 50 left. And that means that my team gets there before Grimnismal awakes. And we have time to stab the shit out of him until he, <laughs> until he wakes up and gets out of his tomb. <laughs> uh, it'd do more damage if I had two or more hours left, which I believe you do, Fox. So I do. I ended up doing 35 damage to Grimnismal before he awakes, and I believe you do 70 damage. Oh, it's fucking awesome. I just imagined us kind of just stabbing a placenta of a ninth-dimensional being for a while, and it made me really... I just I remember D&D so much, man. It's great. It's just, just a lot going on. Um, <laughs> so, okay. So the, the god wakes up. It kills Mogruth, so we lose nine warp rating, and it's time for the mm. final fight. There's like seven different choices for next week. I'm going to be cool and do a salmon leap and slash through one of its tentacles because, Dude. you know, as a shadow of the as a shadow of the Colossus player fox, yes. I like to cut down the pieces of the beast before I go after the center mass, bro. You know, fuck yeah, bro, solidarity. Why would you? So I saw the first salmon leap, but then I saw the second salmon leap, and I'm like, it's the second salmon leap, but it's definitely, definitively a salmon leap. I'm sorry. Yeah, because you got to use your your slain powers, and then you got to use it to just weaken the beast and cut pieces mm. of it off before you get to the center part. You know. Yeah, and then um, you jump you on know, your horse you, and you shoot it with you take, for a little while. Yeah, you know, you 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 cut off the drumsticks before you start carving the breast of the turkey, buddy. That's just the uh, that that's just the way it goes. Oh, <laughs> um. There's, I, I like that there's also a seventh option, which is just to enter your own, like, strategy for how which, you're fighting Grimnismal. I feel like that's... I, I hope that that's not just, like, an instant death thing. I really hope that they let just people get a little creative, you know? Agreed. <clears throat> Sorry. So, uh, yeah, things are entering the end game now. We'll finish Tomb of Terror next episode, I believe. Mm-hmm. At the end of this week going into the fight i'm at 104 warp rating 320 treasure i've got a key and scroll one and i've done 35 points to grimnismal next week will the dark god drive you mad let's see so i've got 153 warp strength 480 treasure i've got a plus two combat modifier i've got bottle of strange green liquid i have a key I've dealt 70 damage to Grimnismal. I'm, I'm feeling I think pretty you confident. Have, I think you have 480 treasure because you got that 300. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm okay. taking that from. 
mm-hmm. from 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 Oko. Yeah. All right. Oh man, real excited. I hope like it. It's tough that we're, we're recording ahead because I'm I, I'm worried that people are bored by us playing the game, but I think it's pretty fun. <laughs> so whatever. Uh. I mean, I think that it's the best thing. I, it's one of my favorite things that we've done on this podcast. Yeah. I wish no. They this, did more I mean, of this didn't just do a spinoff comic for it. Yeah, I'd never not do it because, again, this is something I've been looking forward to since we started doing this podcast. (laughs) But, um, and I feel like I've been teasing it since the start of the podcast, but, um, I'm real, so I'm real excited to be here. Oh, man. Yeah. But, but, but speaking of, um, your actions causing instant irrevocable death, Fox. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Thrill three, Judge Dredd. Jesus. So, script robot John Wagner, Alan Grant is TB Grover. Art robots Cam Kennedy, John H- John Higgins, and Cliff Robinson. Letting robot Tom Frame. Hooray, the racism's Eat. almost over. That's right. I mean, I'd say so much of the racism is in the covers, not in the actual... Casual um, racism much, is still racism. It's true. So, these seven samurai are wreaking havoc on Mega City 1. They've been summoned here by Shojan Warlord of G, who's taking down the city. Um, a fleet of Manta Prowl tanks try to take them, take, tries to take down the evil warlord, but they're useless against a psychic shield. <laughs> Meanwhile, Dreads just come too, and tries to take down it. the warlord himself. God he damn it. Th- finds a, one of these samurai's ninja stars, <laughs> which doesn't even make sense, Fox, because samurai don't use ninja stars. I believe you'll find that the people who use ninja stars are, in fact, motherfucking ninjas. <laughs> also, th- I mean, you saw the size of them. Look at the size of that ninja star. I mean, maybe it, I don't know how big an actual ninja star is. I guess, but it, yeah, it's like it's like hand size. It's it's big enough yeah. for dread to throw normally. Yeah, he's not um, like picking up half of a car and throwing it at the man. You know what I mean? <laughs> totally. But so anyhow, dread managed to find one of these tiny ninja stars and throws it at Shojan. It cuts through his shield. Dread follows it up with his boot knife, my favorite, oh. and Shojan is down. But the samurai are still attacking the city. What the hell? I thought that was supposed to stop after that. What are we going to do about it? You know, they theorized that it would, but no. <laughs> um, there seems to be nothing they can do except the Psyamp. Dread reminds Omar of oh, Sector yeah. House 9, where that Psyamp increased a, a psychic's powers a thousandfold, but also killed him. Omar has no choice, though, and goes to sacrifice himself to save the city. Which, he holy climbs shit, into the amp. Also, he becomes a badass ghost. Yeah, man, he he cranks it up to ultra and goes to fight the samurai and just becomes this huge dude, like super gigantic. He just takes all seven samurai into his hand and squeezes them out of existence. Oh, it's real cool. The threat is ended and Judge Omar's body collapses to dust. The day is saved, but Magruder says that this was a, um, you know, a debacle and accepts responsibility for the life for the lives lost and resigns as chief a real judge. Fucking judge, man. That's that's a fucking hardcore way to deal with that. But that's a that's a fucking Justice Department way to deal with it. Seriously. So now let's take a break from that as John Higgins takes over on art. <laughs> Let's just like it's go his... away from like this interesting story element that's going on and fucking cannibals, right? No one likes Yeah, those. buddy. No, no one likes Trogs, man. Yeah, so uh, this is Higgins' first Dread art in the Progs. He did do the uh, most recent Dread annual as well. And he's going to do a lot more Dread going forward, though he has done 2000 AD stuff before, including some key Alan Moore future shocks. 
So no, like this story is called. I like his art. Yeah, it's a, it's it's kind of a realistic style for sure. So this story is called Beggar's Banquet. At Banquet as a beggar is making his way through a disused part of Mega City 1 and comes across some mutant dudes who attack him. Suddenly Dredd's there shooting him down. The baddies run and Dredd checks out a dead one and he's clearly an undercity trog. Oh, okay. Well, let's scan for uh, like holes yeah. in the ground that I can crawl in. Exactly. An H-Wagon's called in. We quickly find a tunnel into the underground. Dredd follows it. Finds himself, of course, in the undercity of Mega City 1, like the bones of the world before before the Mega City was built. Knee-deep in cars. human bones. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like the trolls are kidnapped. The trogs are kidnapping and eating vagrants. They're can Your new friends, the cannibals. <laughs> <laughs> Dread attacks, hits him with a flash grenade, he saves the vagrants, arrests him for begging, of course, and then leads the judges God. on a swift cleanup to kill all the trogs and seal their oh, entryway. Which is just a firing squad. <laughs> like, yeah, they they gun them all down, burn their bodies, there's no place in the city for undercity folk. Oh, God. Yep. Bad times, always, always. Bad times to not be a regular mega citizen. <laughs> kind of bad times just to be a mega citizen. You know, that's how it goes. <laughs> kind of bad times to be the chief justice. Oh, yeah. So Cliff Robinson takes over on art as Chief Judge Magruder resigns. Flashing back, we see the <gasps> Council of Five basically asking the chief not to resign and taking a vote saying that she can't, but she's adamant about it. Well, not only does everyone, she... everyone except one. One of the yeah. council is just like, uh, yeah, you made the right choice. Yeah, no, get out of here. You messed it up. <laughs> yep. Not only does she go against their vote, she also fires the people who urged her to stay, which is pretty awesome. <laughs> like, Fucking, yep. I, I mean, you this see le- where Judge Dredd's getting it, right? Totally. Yeah, this leads to full regime change in Mega City 1. There's a new council, and among their member is Judge Hershey. Oh, Woo! fuck yeah. I mean, she deserves yeah. it. She's young, but shows a lot of promise. Real excited to see the uh, the continual upward promotion of Judge Hershey. Always a big oh, fan. Really? Well, you know, I can't. That's way off. Uh, <laughs> Dredd and Magruder discuss her cho- d- d- discuss this decision, and it seems the new chief judge will be Judge Silver, who was a judge tutor and special, and was like his, his his specialized class was applied violence, which is pretty crazy. <laughs> So you can see the sort of regime that we're likely in for at this point. Oh, yeah. He's a hard man, but a fair man. With the new chief uh, sworn in, Magruder takes her uniform and lawgiver and heads to the gates. Walking under the honor guard, she heads out, exiled forever to the cursed earth, there to take law unto the lawless until death. Fuck yeah. Good luck, Magruder. Totally. Judge Magruder will return in 1990. Oh, fucking really? Cool. Yeah. Oh, man. It's going to be a lot of stuff. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Time to, yeah. Gonna, yeah. But I want to, I don't want to beard that lily. Instead, let's move on <laughs> to non thrills, covers, and nerve center. That'll make sense when we get to it, Fox. Anyhow. Uh, <laughs> really? Yeah. Pro- yeah. It's stuck. Wait, but oh, we, missed, I, I, we missed the cockroach one. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, sorry, never mind that. Um, <laughs> finally. I love this one. Yeah, I'll go back, yeah. So uh, Cam Kennedy's back on art as we go for some light stuff after the heavy rest of this month between Dread and Halo Jones. There's a lot going oh on. Oh, God. Um, 
Adrian Cock Adrian Cockroach, age thirteen and a half months. <sighs> Lives with a bunch of other roaches and a restaurant in Mega City One. It's not the cleanest place, and that's why Dredd's here to inspect the joint. Dredd finds a ton of violation and arrests a bunch of people. Stomps some of Adrian friend, Adrian's friends. Naturally, he then eats them as the owner and the chef start to fight. And I gotta say, all of this was really making me think of a uh, of like a Judge Dredd hosted like Kitchen Nightmares episode. You know? Oh my like, God! Where you just because- get arrested. Yeah, you know, where he shows up. It's like you, you, you're going to jail, big boy. You know, that's <laughs> like, so great. And he's wearing a he's wearing a chef's hat on top of his helmet. Be great. You can't you can't serve this chicken. It's raw. Three years in the cubes. Anyhow, that's great. <laughs> just like just fucking book him right then and there. That'd be great. Definitely. I, oh man, if that just doesn't happen, like I'm, I would imagine at some point they've done a kitchen nightmares sort of parody thing. Right. Oh man, who knows in the future? You know, it's a, it's a, it's not there yet. It's still in the early days of cooking shows in uh, mm. in, in 1986. <laughs> Naturally, so sorry. So uh, yeah, so the the owner and the chef start to fight as Adrian and his buddies scuttle about. The chef kills the owner and Dread quickly subdues him. You should have you should have stuck to cooking, big boy. The medics come for the body, and then the fumigation crew arrives. Adrian twigs to what's happening and runs to his secret hidey hole. Later mm-hmm. comes out, sees that all of his friends, including his beloved Pandrop, have died to the gas. And it's sad, but waste not want not, so he just eats all their bodies. <laughs> you know? I love this. Yeah, you got to look on the bright side of life when you're a Mega City One cockroach, buddy. Yeah, just got to eat your friends. Conrad, eat your friends. Eat all of your friends, Conrad. Only after they die, though. That's my only caveat. It's like, it's awesome. Yeah, it's real fun. Like, I I feel like I'm not doing a good job of just sort of like, you know, the way, like, because the story's told from Adrian's point of view. Like, all the narration is this, how this roach finds things and talks about like, like, like roach life in Mega City One, you know? Yeah, and so it's really it's it's pretty funny just because he's actually kind of like erudite and like you know talks about his life in very like glowing terms and stuff. So it's yeah. it, it's it's very funny. And well, you really, know, he talks and, about how he's you know he's he's pretty old for a roach and he's the biggest one, so he gets kind of the best food and you know it's yeah. just, you you got to eat, man. Don't worry about it. And I don't it, know it's it's like super cute, even though he's a disgusting roach. Yeah, but it was a good it was a good antidote to all of the uh, to like both Halo Jones and Judge oh Dredd this God. month, which are pretty big, pretty big bummers, buddy. Yeah, oh boy. yeah, totally. And speaking of, uh, I don't know, giant Judge Omar's <laughs> shit, <It's really> <laughs> non thrills, covers, and nerve center. <laughs> I like how I like how he's cupping them. You know, it's just like a oh, yeah. power move right there. Handful of samurai. Uh, Prog 455, the long, long arm of the law. Judge Omar gets big to fight the seven samurai in a neat Cam Kennedy cover in the awesome. nerve center. Tharg, the hitchhiker, he's headed to Upper Poppleton, I guess. Um, I don't get this but, at all. Yeah, he warns us of unchecked thrill power and that Judge Anderson will return in Prog 466. There's a picture of a cyborg dread. It's part of a series of dreads secrets. Like that, 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 that he's a cyborg <laughs> under there, basically. Oh, uh, sure. There's questions about the placement of various stories. Long walk judge takes. 
or you know, just like why don't they, why doesn't they, why don't they take their motorcycle, etc. <laughs> um, and questions about when Bad City Blue starts. Thark says it'll start in Prague 466. It'll actually be 468. The Anderson hype Ooh. continues at the end of the comic with a yeah. pinup of the side judge by Brett Ewins looking sexy as hell. She's beautiful. Yeah. Got that like wide hair. That's the Ewins mm. hair. Prague 456. The Dave Cluck 5. They're chicken so, plucking awful. So stupid. <laughs> It's weird, man. Yeah, it's, uh, so it's the uh, it's the chicken and investigators going undercover as a com- as a uh, as as a pop combo in Ace Trucking. I, I just can't and deal. These with chicken their, guys like, are kind of terrifying, buddy. Like their weird, gross, yeah, protruding eyes really freak me out. They got weird eyeballs. They got like beetle haircuts. It's good times. Their song list is yeah. full of bird puns. <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah, in the nerve center, Thargium Dog mentions that John Higgins is drawing dread this week. There's a picture of a cyborg skull and letters praise the Tomb of Terror, ask about a Mrs. Tharg. There's a letter writer that's claiming a prize they won to, uh, if, from a letter in Prague 85 that they didn't get. And there's a list of slain pronunciations, or should I say slanya pr- pronunciations? Uh, nah, I shouldn't. Um, <laughs> I, I can't. I mean, I, I respect I respect the people who want to say this correctly. How's that? Yeah, I can't but speak no, man, it's slain. They, they 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 rhyme it with slain a fair amount. Like you know, <laughs> the prog ends with a slain pinup by M. K. Dunn, an artist I'm not familiar with, and doesn't seem to have done much else with 2000 A. D. So um, it looks pretty. And bad. like between it's some goblins. yeah, I think it, yeah, it's it's red. I'd say yeah, it's a very kind of David Pugh esque one. And between this and the Higgins dread, this prog seems like kind of a proving ground for new artists almost. Yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, Prague 457, we's both unique, and not a brain between them. <laughs> Dueling aces in a Bill Ardinelli cover. In the nerve center, uh, Porcine Tharg warns that awesome. Halo Jones will be traumatizing this week, which is true. <laughs> then says that there'll be regime change in dread and the aces finally meeting. The letters include a dad whose daughter has a dread drawing, which is printed. Aww. There's some dudes that want to start their own comic, and Thread suggest and Tharg suggests kidnapping all the best creator droids and putting them to work. <laughs> um, it's apparently hard to get 2000 AD in the Netherlands, and there's questions about the first issue of the best of 2000 AD comic. At the end of the prog, Tharg announces a comic signing in Exeter, which seems pretty cool. Ooh, that's and there's awesome. a new map. Yeah, and there's a new master's entry for Robin Smith. Though, honestly, like, because Smith worked as the art editor for 2080 for a long time. Mm. So, so, some of the characters here, uh, yeah. like Dread, Rogue. He, he, he draws Dread, Rogue, Anderson, Johnny Alpha, and Tharg. And a lot of these are ones that he only drew, like, in annuals or specials or something like that. Sure. Not, like, the main progs, you know? Yeah. Like, right. you know, I just... I, I I bristle at a non at, at a non Ascara Johnny Alpha. That's all I'm trying it's, to say. You it's know. fucking weird. I, I'm gonna yeah. say that much. Like, I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, Prog 458. Don't bug me, creep. Robin Smith draws a Rochi cover. <laughs> in the nerve center, Tharg the Barbarian warns that the choices in the Tomb of Terror can now start to instantly kill you, which is a good warning. <laughs> It's a pretty good warning. Yeah. There's a picture of Judge Stephanie of Monaco, which is from that one 
Yeah, music video she did. Re- Real princess, good times. Mm-hmm. There's, um, and there's letters asking for 3D uh, comics, suggestions for a dread film, and questions to clarify the status of Mean Machine, i.e. if he died or not. And he did, but he got better. Yeah. I mean, he's fine. You, you, what, yeah. He can't die. He's too awesome. <laughs> It's well, now he's just battle hardened, you know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. In um. Actually, I think Eagle. There's at least one episode of Where Eagles Dare where they where they cover an a a 3D comic that Eagle did. That seems kind yeah. of interesting. Yeah. But like you know, I'm glad they. I'm glad we haven't had one in 2000 AD just because I don't know where I'd source like 3D glasses at this uh, point. Oh yeah. That's Plus. Yeah, plus, like, just the way they print 2080 doesn't seem like it really support a lot of 3D stuff, just with the colors it's based on and stuff no. like that. I just remember it hurting my Any, eyes a yeah. lot. Mm, yeah, plus, you know, I just don't like wearing glasses over my glasses. That's why I don't like 3D, th- 3D movies, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's really fair, you know? Like... Uh, like I don't, I don't like three, I don't like 3D movies or VR stuff because I don't like having glasses on my glasses. Anyhow, um, there's a, there's a, there's another new Masters this prog. This time it's Brett Ewins with a pretty sweet yeah. uh, Rogue Anderson and Dread montage. Real good. <laughs> Wish there was a, a a Venus Blue Jeans in here, but that's just because I'm a gross guy. <laughs> <laughs> Every time's a good time for Venus Blue Jeans. I mean, you know, for real. Um, anyhow. Speaking of Johnny Alphas that are drawn by Carlos Escara. Fuck yeah! It's, it's Thrill 4, Strontium Dog. How are we going to get out of this underground cave? Oh my god, this giant's everywhere! Um, oh Skid Robot. <laughs> Alan Grant and John Wagner's Alan Grant. Art robot Carlos Escara, letting robot Tony Jacob. Johnny Alpha, Wolf Sternhammer, and their Viking buddies are in 793 and have found themselves in an underground cavern after falling into a whirlpool when their Viking longship was wrecked. Where do they go? Oh my god, I jo- guess let's just like shoot the side of the wall and then everything yeah. will be alright. Yeah, well Johnny finds like some cracks in the in the stone with like fresh air in it. So mm. he Decides it, 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 it must be a way out, and he uses his blaster to blow the wall open, but mm. his gun's running low on juice, which is disturbing. Oh, Not good. <laughs> yeah, the crew climbs to freedom and suddenly smells bad meat and sees Torchlight as a 10-foot giant dumps a bunch of garbage down on him. Real gross. But afterwards, they sneak out. They're descending their way through. That's a diehard in a cabin <laughs> system. <laughs> that movie, man. You know it was scarier than all of the weird cave vampires? It's just what? the tight spaces, man. That that was yeah. what actually creeped me out about that movie. <laughs> um giant yeah, descending their way through and yeah, af- and uh they eventually see a bunch of big giants blocking their path forward. Oh jeez. <laughs> oh man, we got to I guess probably fight these guys so that we don't yep. get eaten by them. Don't want to get eaten. Real. Yeah, a bunch of tr- of giants or trolls or something. They're big guys, big, big dumb dudes. They're chilling out, telling the Billy Gro- Goat's gruff story from a different perspective, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, I, I love how sudden- it's just like, yeah, he told me his bigger, like, fatter brother was coming. I said, thanks, and just, like, fucking smashed him. So, yeah, just ate, intel, ate that guy, know? too. <laughs> exactly. But suddenly, there's a smell in the air. 
Fee-fo-fi-fum, I smells the blood of Viking scum, and it's fight time. Dude, and uh, when you say that, I guess what happens is, you know, just gonna get smashed in the face with a fucking hammer. Always, yeah. Listen, everybody starts fighting. As they get stuck in, though, Johnny's blaster fizzles out, and he's got to pull out his goblin axe from last time and go hand to hand. Real cool. The uh, the boys take some hits, but manage to take them all down. Three Vikings have died, and another's broken his arm, but not his sword arm. It's a hard. It was a hard fight, and it's bad though because here comes a whole bunch more of these trolls. <laughs> It's like a lot of them, man. Like, yeah. holy shit. They're all chilling out. They're in the Hall of the Mountain King, and they'll never be able to fight their way through, so it's time for some sneaking. The Troll King looks pretty cool. He's with his big crown, picking his yeah. nose and braining people and stuff. Well, they're like, I guess they're just waiting for him to pick a really good booger out of his nose. I mean, I think he's just he's just picking, and then this, and then one of his subjects does the classic, like you know, pick us a good one, buddy. You know, similar to the like, ah, oh, mining for gold, eh? Um, kind of thing. <laughs> That's why he gets whomped on the head with his with the king's scepter. You know, that makes sense. Uh, there's some storytelling. I think this time it's the. Uh, it's the three little pigs, but also just with the tr- with the troll just reaching in and and eating the pig right away. <laughs> yeah. The uh, there's and the troll queen is arm wrestling and you know does the move <laughs> where she's arm wrestling. Dude. Yeah, with her right arm, then her left arm. She just punches you in the face and wins, uh, <laughs> and that caused the whole room to shake. And the Vikings, which were climbing above the uh, the trolls on like a stalagmite kind of thing, that crumbles and they fall to the ground. And oh, it's real tough. They're in the middle Dude of the hall, surrounded by, by Vikings. Dogs. Yeah, yeah. The king's got some dragon lizards, and uh, they and they eat one Viking, but then uh, the boys t- uh, take out the rest. A fight's about to break out, and Johnny's got to settle things, so he hits a troll with one of his time grenades. Man, those are in, like, short supply, dude. I know, but he's, you know, uh, you got to use them or be killed by trolls. So, you know, you got to make the hard decisions, basically. Yeah. Uh, The time bomb sends one of the trolls back to the future. And everyone here is afraid of the obvious sorcery. The monster shows up at Canterbury Keep Prison in 2170 and starts wrecking up the place. The the cops, though, are able to quickly take it down after burst through a wall. What's that alpha playing at? Johnny takes the troll queen hostage with a time grenade, and the team manages to escape the tunnels of the trolls without taking any further damage. As they go, though, there's another earthquake, and the tunnel collapses behind them. It's a cave-in! Run for it! Oh my god. I guess all <laughs> of those trolls are dead now. Or at least they're just going to have to do under underground stuff. But I mean, you know, there's no trolls in the future, so I guess it's, it was bound to happen at some point. <laughs> okay. Next time, muties will inherit the earth. It seems like a pretty good deal. Yeah, something. Oh, man, fun, just fun underground troll fighting in Strontium Dog. It's funny just how the, the, the chance for just some, some sidetracks just have, like, some, yeah, some sneaking around and some fighting crazy dumb monsters. Really fun. Dude, why not? I mean, you're, you've got a Viking party that's crawling through a cave. Might as well, like, fight some fucking funny trolls. They, it was Definitely. Pretty- there's a lot of levity in this, which I enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, just like two dudes getting iced. 
Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, you 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 got to take the good with the bad, and I just appreciate all of the dungeon crawling going on in 2000 AD at this moment. Oh, fuck yeah, dude! Tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, and speaking of um, going on adventures, possibly in disguise, Fox, it's Ooh. Thrill Five Ace Trucking. Man, these chickens are looking real fucked up. Yeah, I mean, they they look real weird, but I think actual chickens look real weird if you look at them long enough, you know? <laughs> uh, script robot Alan Grant and John Wagner's Grant Grover. Art robot Massimo Bellardinelli. Learning robot Tony Jacob. I mean, just like, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like I have an idea of what a chicken looks like in my head, but if I actually see a real one, there's a lot of little details that my mental image doesn't carry that makes it weird looking, yeah. I guess. You know, way, I, I, way more dinosaur-y than I usually expect. You know what I mean? I just, for me, it's like anthropomorphic chickens look weird. So, like, they've got hands, oh, yeah. you know, and they're, like, gesticulating, and it's just, like, with this weird long head that's tiny. It's totally. bizarre. Yeah. These chickens' secret agents, uh, customs agents, are regrouping after having lost Ace Garp last episode. The leader, Captain Leghorn, is anxious to take down Ace, and not with the help of Rooster Cogburn and his barnyard commandos. Which I guess... I guess it's like a thing. I mean, you know, Rooster Cogburn was, of course, John Wayne's character in True Grit, right? Um, mm. And and Jeff Daniels, I guess, in the remake. But um, I just like the idea that all of the there are all these chickens, and they all have chicken pun names that don't even make sense to them at the time. You know, like this guy's Leghorn, like Foghorn Leghorn. I say, I say, mm. criminal law enforcement boy, custom service. Um, anyhow. <laughs> So they want to take out Ace, but they do it. They have to go undercover. Meanwhile, the Ace trucking crew is meeting with a seedy, squid-faced man. They're buying 10 yeah. breeding pairs of boozle bugs for 50,000 credits, or BIMs, I guess. But, you know, you got to uh, test the merch before you, you yeah. know, go in on it, right? Got, yeah, got to check the goods, so Feek obliges to do so. Anticipatory, hee-hee, which is the funniest love, thing I've ever seen. Yeah, I just, I love how he just treats this like like a fucking critic. He's, like, smelling it and looking at it, and then... Yeah, tests the weight. And, and literally in one of the most mind-bending pages I've seen since, like, I don't know, the first Dan Dare that you and I ever fucking wa- or read, like... This is Bellardinelli going fucking full, I don't know, like acid cosmos. Some kind of weird yeah, DMT it's, trip. T- totally. It's um, it's right up there with like that time that that guy, um, that in during the Judge Child saga, when that guy took like, like, like drank the um, giant toad like oh, yeah. thing and like started hallucinating and stuff. It's, 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 it's like that. Um, yeah, yeah, pretty he, much. Feek eats the boozle bug. His eyes pop out of his head and travel Ugh. around his body. He goes through dimensions and is so blitzed out of his skull that he just starts floating. He's <laughs> like, just naturally floating. Ace makes the deal and GBH loads the bugs into his jacket. Meanwhile, our Ace, and you can tell the difference. Nude Ace. Yeah, well, you can tell the difference between um, the original Ace from the uh, previous comics and this new alternate dimension ones because our Ace has a diminished point, like he's sort of mm. got like like a blunt point on his head, got and he comes off. to yeah, 
cut, cut off a bunch of times. <laughs> and he comes to, where the hootin' heck is I? Oh my god. He's <laughs> yeah, super so, nude. Yeah, it's real, real, he's real naked. Um, he doesn't remember how he got back on a Speedo Ghost. And I don't, I real, I'm really freaked out by how tiny his feet are. And usually Ace's yeah. gigantic feet. The ghost gives him the lowdown as Ace puts on a cool black jumpsuit. That's the other way to tell because um, the original Ace is wearing black, which is pretty cool. He even gets uh, a cool black scarf. Yeah. and I, But but just so we're clear, I'm going to call this guy Ace 1 and the new universe <laughs> one Ace A. So we won't be able to – so we'll, we'll be able to tell him apart. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Worried about the chicken seeing – Worried about the chicken seeing Feek under the effects of Boozlebugs, Ace A, and GBH by a bunch of balloons to hide the floating skeletoids. And these balloons are pretty good because they're all full of 2000 AD characters. There's like Alex Trench, Johnny Moon, the Mean Team Panther, Blackhawk, Dread, and Tharg. Meanwhile, the undercover chickens arrive at the Ghost and ask to come aboard as performers buying Passage, the Dave Cluck Five. The ghost tries to stop Ace One, but he just sees the money they're offering and welcomes them aboard. It's like, what the heck are you doing, man? This is a money situation. Totally. The chickens observe Ace and GBH as the stoned feek floats among the 2008 balloons. (laughs) Uh, One says, totally. One says McManus the best, which is pretty funny just because Steve McManus is Tharg at this point. The ghost takes off, and the two aces finally meet with a crazy scarf-based triple handshake. Um, as they fly really off, weird. there's definitely, and as they fly off, there's a Bellardinelli clone flying a space biplane. <laughs> Stupid! <laughs> you know, got to put yourself in there, man. Ace yeah, one and ace. Totally. Ace 1 and Ace A work out which one is the doppelganger, and everyone's handling this alternate universe thing pretty well, I gotta say. Yeah. Generally. No one's. I mean, the biggest, the biggest, like, uh, fight that they have is who's a doppelganger later, right? Yeah. Like, just getting some some facts around. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, it was pretty. Other good. than other than that, they're just like, yeah, fine. It's just another me. You know, happens all the yeah. time. It's great. <laughs> they'll figure. Hey, yeah. Yeah, and, and they'll figure out what to do with him once they do some business in Chicken City. Of course, <laughs> that's going to be harder. With the obviously undercover chicken age, chicken chicken customs agent aboard the ship, Ace One apologizes, but Ace A has a plan. Why don't you guys play a song, Dave Cluck Five? Mm. Uh, okay, I guess. And the band is uh, cool, <laughs> fab, swinging gear and groovy with it. <laughs> yeah, why not? Of course, they're totally going to be able to do that as they nod their weird necks and wear their weird costumes. Fucking yeah. weird. It's very like Beatlemania, I feel like, with their like bowl cuts and um, like like uh, turtlenecks and and uh, sweaters yeah. and stuff, or maybe some other band that I'm just and I'm just assuming it's Beatlemania, it's Beatles stuff because that's where my, where, where my mind goes. Willing yeah, to just, be no to be corrected idea. on this, yeah. So in Feek's at Feek's den, keep out, no hee hee. The aces check in and see that the bugs are loose, entering a very hee-hee stage of their development. Oh, my God. The mating dance of the Boozlebug. It's pretty awesome with, like, (laughs) synchronized dancing and romancing as Feek uh, uh, switches hats and plays a romantic violin as the bugs do their romance. Then switches oh, to accordion yeah. for the ho- for the hoedown down portion of the of the mating ritual. <laughs> <laughs> 
Meanwhile, the customs chickens are searching the ship and barely keeping their undercover identities. Ace A invites them to perform at the evening feast, and they aren't that great, to be honest. Naturally, this devolves into a food fight, and eventually Agent Leghorn has had enough. He pulls his badge. We're Uckpuck customs officers, and we're placing this ship under arrest. I don't feel like he's got grounds for that, and they can just space you. Yeah, or jurisdictions. Like, I can't think of anything more international waters than the depths of space. Anyhow, right. next time, the good, the bad, and the boozled. But I don't know how, like, interstellar law works, you know? I mean, I mean, like, it's it's not full international waters, right? Because there are, like, the the, the creepy jeepies, like the uh, the highway and for- the, um, what do I want to say? Like, uh, highway, highway guys and stuff like that. Hi- highway, yeah. highway patrolmen out there. But... You know, you can't be some planet's customs guys, like, arresting and people like, ahead of time. Well, lie about going onto a ship, have no basis that they're doing this, right? He's got no proof, pulls out his badge, and then arrests them? Like, what? Yeah. No, no good. That's not how this yeah. Works. And yeah, presumably we'll, like, be hearing from the space ACLU soon enough. Um, but with that, Fox, oh uh, I have I have one question under harsh interrogation for you. <laughs> <laughs> and it's what were your top and bottom thrills for February 1986? Oh, oh man, I just don't even know. Uh, well, so, I mean, clearly defined top is Halo Jones. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was just so fucking sad. And uh, again, and I can't stress this enough, like, kudos to 2000 AD on, like, a, a gay relationship, man. I mean, it didn't happen, obviously, but... Like, yeah. Toy having the feelings that she did, like, we had seen her before, like, trying to go on dates, like, with people um, on the Clara Pandy, right? Like, yeah, with guys and, thing it, and, and, and not and going well, for out. sure. Yeah, exactly. And, like, you know, just how she's been protective of her or how she's, you know, what they've been through together and certainly, you know, getting her to enlist again just so that she's in her life. It's, it was a very, like, touching moment for for that comic while then also just destroying all of my <laughs> all of my happiness uh from the day <laughs> because my god like it was just it was so intense especially you know in the moments of ptsd where it's just like well fuck it i'm just gonna like be a a unhappy soulless soldier because this is all i know how to do when i i mean I feel like Halo has so much more experience than just an average person at so many things. You know, she mm-hmm. knows fucking Cetacean. She's hung out with, you know, Lux Rothchop. She's met a fucking Rat King, for God's sake, you know? <laughs> a hive a hive-minded, like, sentient super species of rat that's apparently a, a dope tactician. Yeah, know. keep that like, on, on, on the back burner for the record. Um, I mean, I'm. I figured like a lot of this stuff is gonna fold back in because it it feels like it will, um, you know. So that's that's why, uh, dude. I I'm. I mean, this is just to keep in mind. Can't say enough about Slain. It's fucking amazing. Um, it didn't make top just because. Again, like for all the cool shit it's doing, it's it's not tugging at my heartstrings. It's tugging at my like my love of you know the 1980s barbarian fucking awesome fantasy shit that, <laughs> that is not a hard itch to scratch weirdly enough it it's not 
it's not done well anymore, but it, you know, it's not a hard itch. I feel like uh, strong team yeah. dog, strong uh, judge, dread strong. Like you know, the only and this is where I'm coming down to. All of this was fucking great. Like I love Dace Trekking. I am putting it at the bottom only in that like I appreciate the levity it's br- uh, like bringing to the comic right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm I'm interested to see where this goes. Like the chicken shenanigans are cute. Uh, and and feet getting ridiculously out of his mind, also cute. But you know, I gotta put something there, and I can't just say that they're all good and nothing's bad. But I am sort of saying they're all good and nothing's bad. <laughs> Conrad, other than my wishy-washy statements, uh, let me know what is it that you think because I had a fucking hard time. Hard time. No, I agree. This is a real good month um, for for 2000 AD. You know, it's really, um, like, you know, Halo Jones is real amazing. Oh my gosh. Like, I, I, let, let me get back to that. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really liking Slain. I'm really liking being in the end part of Slain. It's really cool, like, that the bad guys are showing back up. So now, you know, just to add some urgency as we enter the final fight, like, it's gonna, the, the show, <laughs> yeah. it's just making this showdown of epic proportions. You know, it's not just the bad guys that we previously had now it's this whole new wrinkle of this you know god being grimnismal and stuff mm-hmm. um i really liked or um after kind of a bad month after kind of a bad opening um dread's doing pretty good i really liked the uh judge magruder leaving and a new chief judge yeah. coming in just the i you know keeping that stuff changing and, um, you know, making the Justice Department seem alive is really interesting. It's always, also always fun when there's a new chief judge and Dred- and it's not because Dredd killed the last one, you know? Though, <laughs> 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 so, you know, soon enough. But anyhow. Um, Whoa. But yeah, so, so well, uh, man, I'm like, I'm like spoiling you for no reason. I, I don't know why I do this. Um, and then... Uh, <laughs> I like the um, the the fighting the trolls stuff in Strong yeah. Team Dog, and yeah, Ace Trucking is real fun too, man. Like just um, I think so. For top, I'm gonna do Halo Jones. I gotta man. This yeah. part is just so sad and affecting, and like the uh, Gibson's art is really awesome. Just the way he sort of you know lends credence to the words and really puts you in. This ragged, destroyed place that that Halo's in really takes this co- takes a comic to the next level. So it's my top. I think for my bottom, I think I'm gonna say Strontium Dog this time. Okay. Mo- mostly just because like the the like this seems just like a side quest part of Strontium Dog or something. Just spending the whole month doing the trolls things and stuff like that. It's not, you know, I like it. It's good. And that just means it's kind of a, like a B or a B plus in a field of A's or something. And I feel like I liked Ace Trucking a little more just Mm. because there's just some, just, just because of the far out stuff in Ace Trucking, like the part where, where, (laughs) where feet get super high is, is hilarious. I actually, I really like just the little in jokes of the balloons he was floating in and the different 2008 characters in them. I feel like a lot of them were non-Bella Dornelli characters that he was just sort of taking a chance to draw just kind of for fun. Like, like it feels like he's ha- – like Bella Dornelli's having a lot of fun drawing mm. this, this, this comic just because there's so many cameos and little pieces and just little stuff happening on the, on the side constantly that I think really makes this a really good like humor comic and that I think is, you know – 
that I want to give credit for. Um, Strong Team Dogs still, I mean, you know, Listen Strong Team Dogs, one of my favorites. So if I put it on the bottom, it's because everything, it's because it's a little weaker, but still like way up in the top. You know, I mean, we're in this, this is still the golden age. Like everything's real good and there's no like, like, like even theoretical bad choices at this point. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, I had a fucking blast reading this this month. And yeah, I don't know. It's really setting a, a fucking cool tone for this year. I mean, the start of this, the, the start of 86 is real crazy. It's just like, you know, one like once in a lifetime solid gold classic with, with, with Halo, you know, that everybody acknowledges or that almost everybody, I guess, acknowledges is, is the is, is one of the best 2080 stories. Then three Mount Rushmore 2000 AD stories or characters with Dread Slain and Strontium Dog. And then Ace Trucking, which I think is also really good and like, you know, re- remains funny and often. And again, I like having the humor as kind of an antidote to the more serious, heavy stuff that's mm. happening elsewhere in the comic. You know, absolutely. It is fun how. Um, like Strontium Dog is kind of lighthearted at this point, and um, and and Ace is. Although Strontium Dog's about to get real dark, so you know, just keep all that in mind <laughs> during okay. these bright times. I mean, well, like, listen, you know, this is a fun story about them fighting trolls, but keep in mind it's Johnny remembering it as I he know. and Wolf are Don't staked out in the wilderness by me. these guys. You know. <laughs> uh. Anyhow, good stuff. I, I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, or on our podcast site, spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com. On, our, on the 2080 forums or our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages on Twitter, we're at spacespinner2k. For everything else, just look up spacespinner2000 and we should be there. Then, come back next time as Halo Jones trains for a new war zone. Dread deals with some blackmailers. We'll finish the Tomb of Terrors. The Cluckers are a muckers on the Speedo Ghost. And Johnny Alpha begins the showdown with Max Bubba. Yeah, super excited. Until then, I'm Conrad, he's Fox, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Spongebob!